Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Let's, let's get into the Word. I have something exciting to share this morning, and I'm trusting that it's going to be of a blessing to everyone that listens. Amen. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders, and miracles takes place at the teaching of your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Of late, the Lord has been stirring certain thoughts in my heart that I want to share. And... um, It's called Understanding Kingdom Stewardship. Understanding Kingdom Stewardship. Stewardship, we're going to look at that. And I'm hoping that that this would help us to come to a greater level of our work with a higher level of maturity in the things that God has to do. The word stewardship means, there are five definitions. It's the same thing, but dif- used, and I'm going to give all of them to you. Don't attempt to write everything. You get the message. But stewardship is the conducting, the supervising, or managing of something. The conducting, the supervising, or managing of something. To manage something. The Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines stewardship as the careful, and I want us to pay attention to that, as the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. That's the one I want you to write down if you can. Stewardship is the careful and responsible. I want you to note that word, careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Two words that should stand out for us there is careful and responsible. Responsible. Careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Now, there are five different kind of, um, would I say, references to the word stewardship in the dictionary. First, is or a steward when you, when you use the word steward first is a person who is put in charge of the affairs of a large household or an estate okay whose duty uh, includes supervision of the kitchen the servants the management of the household now i'm going to give you a biblical perspective to that that's number one number two one who acts as a supervisor or an administrator of finances and properties for another in our modern day language, you would probably want to use the word an agent, okay? That is uh, managing a house. Um, you realize that, for instance, the agent really does not own the house, or the caretaker does not own the house, right? But he's given what? Authority to manage the house. That's the concept of a steward. Now, steward was used majorly in those days because, you know, of lords and large places. Number three, a person that's responsible for the food and drink service personnel in a club or a restaurant. That could be a steward. So, when you go to 
not a club, when you go to a restaurant, all right. <laughs> when you go to a restaurant, the person who is responsible for serving you food is called a steward. It's not the owner, but it's a steward responsible for serving you. And that's why when you are not served properly, some people say, I, I want to see the owner of this. How many of you have demanded to see the owner? Yeah, because you realize that that person is not the owner. Number four, a ship officer who is in charge of provisions and dining arrangements can be called a steward. Number five, a person usually one in charge of arrangements for a ball, events, race, or a meeting can be called a steward. So, the, the first thing we must understand is that a steward has responsibility. And, and that word must become very big in your heart. Responsibility. The assumption of responsibility. The assumption of responsibility. Remember our first definition. It says the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Careful and responsible management. Now, in the Bible, the word steward is actually... Uh, from the word overseer, you could use the word overseer in the Hebrew, or it's the word called al-bayith. Bayith is house, is the Hebrew word for house. And what that word al-bayith or steward means in the Bible is the manager of the house, the one who stewards the house, who oversees the house, not the owner, but the steward. Okay, the man over the house. That's what it means literally in the, in the Hebrew, al-bayeth. Now, it's used about three times in scripture. The first reference is when Abraham was talking about his servant Eliezer in Genesis chapter 24. Let me give you some scripture to this. Go with me to Genesis chapter 24 um, in verse 2 to 4. Genesis 24 verse 2 to 4. Now, go to Genesis 24, 2 to 4. And let's see the concept of steward here, two to four. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household. So when he, when he talked about the oldest of his household, he was talking about the oldest servant. You know, for instance, if you have a lot of uh, stewards working for you, there will be one who is like the oldest, who you employed first. Hmm? Even that one will tell the other ones that, see, I was the first person that was cooking in this house. You people met me here. Alright? because So that's what he was saying. Who had charge of all that he owned. Please, pay very careful attention to that. And I want you to really understand this morning's message. I think it's very important. Look at, look at that word there. Can you see that? Who had charge. So who is the person who had charge here? The oldest servant had charge of all that, what, that who owns. Abraham. So here we're talking about Eliezer having charge over how many things? Everything or all that who owned Abraham. So we find two people here. We find the owner and we find what? The steward. Perfect. Please, please place your hand under my thigh and I'll make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of earth. That you shall not take a wife or my son from the daughters of a Canaanite among whom I live. But you go to my country and to my relatives and take a wife from my son. Now you realize that the issue of marriage was very important to Abraham. And he delegated this to the oldest servant. 
And in fact, when Abraham was talking to God, he says, who is going to take charge of my property? Is this the oldest servant, Eliezer? And God says, no, I'm going to give it. So he, the man had proven himself that Abraham could trust him with getting a proper wife for his son Isaac. We could also see this in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 19. Uh, Matthew 25, 14 to 19, we could see uh, a man over finances and a household. Matthew chapter 25. And we'll go to verse 14. Now when you read the whole of this story, just to give you um, the parable of the talent, right? 14 to 19. Verse 14. I'll just read verse 14 quickly. For it is just a ma- like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves or servants and entrusted his possessions to them. Can you see the same thing in the life of Abraham playing out here? Hello, church. Alright. So, this man was traveling. Praise God. Who is there? Matthew 25, I said, verse 14. Okay? So, the Bible says, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted. Look at that word, entrusted. What does the word entrusted mean? Who can tell me? If I say I entrust you with something, what, what would you think I'm referring to? Right? I put you in charge. Or I put it under your trust. It, it, would, would that be correct? So the man entrusted his possessions to them. Can you observe that in all of the places we've talked about stewards, there is trust on the part of the owner. Right? Because someone can actually not be a faithful steward if there is no trust. So there is part on the trust of the owner to give their possessions to them. There are people that you know that when you're traveling, you can leave that, your house key with them. Right? There are a couple of folks when we're traveling. We can just say, oh, wait, we're traveling. We give them the house key. We're not bothered. And there are some people, uh, when they say, uh, will you not leave your key? They say, no. I'm, I'm going with it. So what about if something goes wrong? You know that the chances of something going wrong with them holding the key is higher. Uh, and you follow what I'm saying? So you, you cannot call those people stewards because you cannot trust them. Pay very close attention. Trust is foundational to stewardship. Now, in Matthew, so there are other stories because I really want to finish this today. So, in, in, in Matthew chapter 20 verse 8, in uh, let's read that. Matthew 28, since we're in Matthew. Go to chapter 20 and verse 8. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. So, the, the owner always realized that every time we talk about stewards, we're talking about an owner and the one who supervises. Are you still here? Come and I said, are you still here? So, the owner calls everybody together and says, hey, pay, calls the foreman. Those of you who work uh, at the sites, right? What's the role of a foreman? Huh? The foreman takes charge, right? Okay, yeah. So, he calls the foreman and says, call the laborers 
and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. So the foreman was responsible for paying. Seeing that those who worked for the owner of the vineyard were paid. You can also find this in Luke chapter 12, verse 42 to 43. So we see that in the Bible. We've seen three cases in the Bible that I've shown you. First of all, um, Genesis chapter 24, responsible for the children, for the life of the children, ensuring that Isaac got married properly. Matthew 25, verse 14 to 19, talents and finances were trusted to these servants. In, in Matthew chapter 20, 20, verse 18, they were responsible for staff, you know, employees. There are two foundational thoughts I want you to have this morning. First of all, is that you must understand the principle of ownership and the principle of stewardship. The principle of ownership simply means Psalm 24 verse 1. Everybody turn there. Psalm 24 verse 1. And I want us to look at this very carefully and read it. Psalm chapter 24 and verse 1. Stewardship. Two foundational thoughts you must have. Psalm 24 verse 1. I want us to read it, everybody. I want us to read it loud and clear. One to go. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Let's read again. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Alright, let's pull this verse apart. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. Are we on the earth? Okay. So that means that this whole earth belongs to the Lord. He is the owner. Do we agree on that? Okay. For those of you who have houses, even though you have the C of O to that estate and that property you have, who is the owner? As some of you say. <laughs> Ask that question again. I'm asking it again. Even though the government has given you the certificate of occupancy to that land, who is the owner? Don't just say it because you want to say it. Say it because you believe it. The government. <laughs> okay. So, even though it belongs to the government, from Psalm 24 verse 1, who owns it? The Lord. So you must understand, when you buy the land, you know, even as you are here, the government can revoke. I don't know what the land laws are. I know after how many years, the land, after 100 years, is it 100 or 90? 99 going to 100. The, people know they won't live as long as that. So they, I mean, but you know that law would have been, if it was the day Adam was alive, they would not have agreed to that law. Because at 100, people just started thinking of how to live. Okay, but let's see this now. The earth is the Lord. Number two, the Bible tells us that all it contains belong to God. So the oil in the Niger Delta, the gold in Ghana, hmm? The diamonds in Congo, they all belong to who? To God. Listen, 
I want you to pay attention to this message. It has to shape the way you live and the way you think. The earth is the Lord's. And all it contains. How many things? All it contains. Everything in this earth has one owner. It's God. Nobody owns anything. He says, the world and what else does God own? Those who dwell in it. Can you actually see that it's really looking like we don't own anything? Even those who say they are atheists, they don't believe in God, are owned by God. One, one, one of the things I want, I'm, I'm trusting this message to do to you is to break our mind from ownership and start thinking as stewards. You see, when you think like an owner, you would act that way. But when you think like a steward and know that you are accountable to God for certain things, it will change your action. Just follow me carefully and patiently. The earth is the Lord's. And everything in it, the world and those who live in it. One thing we must recognize in understanding stewardship is the fact that God owns everything in our lives and God owns our life. We must change our mindset towards ownership to obey God's will when it comes to our possession. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Turn with me. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Understanding kingdom stewardship. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. Look at this. But let's start reading from verse 11. I'm, I'm working on, a, uh, on something now called charge those who are rich. Let's start look, look at verse 11. Beware. What will beware means? Be careful. Will beware, will beware be a suggestion or a command? A command, right? A command to be careful, right? What's the popular beware that we know around here? Beware of dogs. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His ordinances and His statutes which I'm commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten, mm, how many of you have children who forget you when they have eaten? If you've raised kids, you will know. When they are hungry, they are always around the kitchen. How many of you have kids like that? Right? Or how many of you are like that? Huh? When you're hungry, you're always around the kitchen. Immediately you finish eating, they will call your name and you will not hear. Look at this. When you have eaten and are satisfied, hmm? are we still there? And have built good houses and lived in them. When your heads and your flocks multiply, your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have multiply, then your heart will become proud. It wasn't before. It became. You know, sometimes you don't know if people are humble until they are rich. 
Because there is a humility that comes with poverty. It's default. So we don't know if that has been uninstalled or if that virus is still there until we give you some little money or some little possessions. So all this, you know, I'm a very humble person. Maybe it's just because you are, you are not there yet. Have you seen people who co- came from poor homes, economically poor homes, and they married rich people? And then they have people working for them? And they start treating those people like they were never poor. In fact, some people say, oh, I, I, I don't like to eat a bar. I, I, it's so strong. And you were raised 35 years of your life. <laughs> not, not with a bar that was made freshly. You were raised. And that's why you don't allow people go with you to the village. Because you know, when, they, when people go with you to the village, they will remove your wig and say, Sarah, are you the one talking to us like that? And because they will remind you of how you used to pick pineapples. <laughs> Not everybody can handle wealth. Your heart will become proud and you will forget your God. You will forget your God. You know, it's harder to serve God when you are rich. I'm telling you the truth. To, when you are rich, you have to force yourself to serve God because you realize that you don't have a lot of prayer points. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't have a lot of prayer points. Because anything you want to do, you can do it. So you have to. And that's why you see that most people who don't serve God when they have wealth, this is the problem. They forget God. Let's read because that's not what I'm focusing on today. Then your heart will become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with fairy serpents and scorpions. Hmm? And thirsty ground where there was no water, I brought water for you out of the rock of the flint. When people start prospering, they start forgetting all the miracles that God performed. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. You know, when you have started prospering, that's where you start giving seven steps to success. When you didn't climb any step, hmm? <laughs> you may say in your heart, you will not say it physically, but in your heart. My power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. Let me tell you, for some of us that the Lord has prospered, if we were just born in certain families, you will not have that level of prosperity. You know, one day, I think I was in Ghana, and I saw, was it Ghana or Abiyokuta? Maybe somewhere, but I saw a, 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 a child, not a child, a man, adult, young boy, under the hot sun. He had a wheelbarrow and was sleeping. Under, that sun was so hot, you can't imagine somebody was sleeping in that sun. He was sleeping. You know, it, I, I just thought to myself that this one has no business with goal setting with, you know, you know um, strategic planning. The, this one just wants to 
eat the next food. That's, you, do you understand? He wakes up. Listen, the chances of if you were born to in that kind of situation, you will not be complaining that God has not been good to you. It's because you know that there's something called goodness that you are complaining that he hasn't been that way to you. Look at it. Forget. Says, but you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is He who is giving you what? Power. Can you see? Verse 17. It says, My power. Go to verse 17. Go to verse 17 for me. It says, Otherwise you may say in your heart, Whose power? Come on, whose power? Can you see that in verse 17, the person personalized the power? What have we been reading? We've been talking about ownership and what? Stewardship. But in verse 18, God actually shows who has the power. Come on, somebody. Go to verse 18. It says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who is giving you what? Come on, who is giving you what? Power to make wealth. Oh, I'm a very smart person. No, no, no. You know, that's your brain is one touch from being a dummy. It's just one nerve they need to pull a bit stronger. Huh? Come on. You know some of us boast in our abilities. Oh, we boast a lot in abilities. You are very smart. You know, I know how to fix this. Do you realize that most of us grew up with certain potentials in us already. Okay? How many of you are very technical with your hands? You can fix broken things. We don't have them in this church. How many of you are just, you just naturally like to fix things, you like screwdriver, you just like to unpack things? How many of you are like me? Don't raise your hand first because you don't know what I want to say. But how many of you are like me that when something gets broken, the first place your mind is going to is who do I have in my phone that can repair this? How many of you are like me? I don't want to fix any broken thing. That's why we have people who can... That's why we have you. Right? You know, for some people's love language is that when the generator is not working, they want to see the man of the house lie down, blowing breeze under, carrying generator. I say, ah, my husband, I just like... <laughs> Why my default is that if the generator is not working, I try once, it's not working, then I start encouraging the Lord, open the windows, let breeze come, we will not die. Tomorrow, first thing tomorrow, I'll call the mechanic. Is it because that whole brain to unpack the thing is God's power. You can boast in it, but it's not your power. That intelligence, have you seen people go, get into, the, for instance, science classes? And later the lecturer advises them to withdraw. And these same people move into art classes and they just excel. You know, I told you how I left, I think, chemistry exam in School of Science. You know, everybody wanted to do science. I tell my son all the time, let nobody pressure you. Whatever you want to read, that's comfortable for your brain. Because I know in those days we felt art was for girls. Hmm? And science was for boys. We went there, started chemistry exam, 10 questions, knew only two. And the two, I was not very sure. I knew one. I just told myself, this life is tough enough. 
to add chemistry to it will be a yoke and a burden that God has not given to me. So I raised my hand. Say, okay, God, what do you want? I said, I'm dropping chemistry. He said, you can drop after. I said, no. If I drop after, the results will not be. I dropped it there and you know, went, to, went back to where. And, but I remember that we would have literature classes and they will give us novels. And I will finish my novel all through the night. And if you ask me anything in that novel 10 years down the line, I'll tell you, that's ability given by God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say is that that brain you have to work and make money, understand the source. That intelligence your boss praises you for, understand who gave it to you. Come on, is someone in this church? That ability to get things done. Oh, I'm, I'm a good thinker. I, you know, I, I'm a good builder. I'm a good uh, mechanic. See, see, remember, it is God who is giving you that power. That is ownership and stewardship. Now, let's go on. Foundational thoughts. You must separate the owner and the steward. Okay? Now, so, since God owns it all, how much authority do you give God over your possessions? Since God owns it all, how much authority, how much influence does God have over your possessions? Let's read a few things. Luke chapter 12. I really, really want to finish this. Are, are you learning something this morning? Right. Luke chapter 12. Verse 13 to 21. Read very quickly. Luke chapter 12. Verse 13 to 21. I really want you to pay attention to this message. It's very important. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said, Man, who appointed me a judge or a betrayer over you? Then he said, Beware and be on guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does, he, does he, his life consist of his possession. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. Hey, let's follow this. Okay? The land of a rich man was what? Very productive. From Psalm 24, who has that land? Right? Hey, come on now. Who has that land? Okay, sorry. Let's put it this way. Who is the owner of the land? But here, the Bible says, the land of a rich man. Would that tell us that God had given this rich man stewardship? Can we agree on that? That God has now given this rich man stewardship over the land. Fantastic. So it was productive. And he began reasoning to himself. Where does the Bible say you should not say the power of my hands have given me this wealth? Which was the location of that? No, no, not the Bible verse. The location. You shall not say in your heart. You shall not say where? In your heart. So this might not be words. These might be reasonings. Are we together? So let's go on now. It says, and he began reasoning to himself, saying, so we can reason and talk. Look at it now. It says, you shall not say in your heart. Deuteronomy chapter 8. You shall not say in your heart. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, so a conversation was going on. What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, only the man was talking. Hmm? Those conversations. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my bands, build larger ones, and then I will, tear, I, will, I will store my grain and my goods. How many of you have seen the my, my, my there? Then the man stepped overboard. And I will say to my soul, 
Do you remember when David spoke to his soul, what David said? He says, I'll say to my soul, why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope thou in God. But this man said, I'll say to my soul, soul, <laughs> you have many goods laid off for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. The American dream. But God said to him, You fool. If God calls you a fool, know you are a fool. There are very few times God called people fools. This one was very specific. You fool. From, from heaven. God called him. You fool. You know, God doesn't use those words all the time. You have to have a special reputation for God to call you a fool. You fool. This very night, your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? You know what God was just trying to say? You know what? I will transfer stewardship. Since it's yours, I will, I will take what belongs to me, then transfer stewardship. But so is the man who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, Why do you boast? What do you have that you did not receive? 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you did not receive? You know, sometimes we can boast in our beauties. We can, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. We can boast in our ability. We can boast in our... What is it that you have? Praise God. If you did receive it, why do you boast as if you have not received it? Why do you boast? You see, we must learn that we are stewards. I want to talk about this. We must learn that we are stewards. Even as pastors of churches, we cannot talk like we own the churches. We cannot talk like we own the anointing. We cannot talk like we can make the Holy Spirit do whatever we want to be done. Look at it. Why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Look at David's prayer during dedication. First Chronicles 29. Just to show you something. You know, sometimes when people struggle with tithes and struggle, and I'll talk about that very quickly, hmm? struggle with giving, is because you still think you're an owner. First Corinthians 29. How many of you have asked your children for something little when in your mind you were planning something big for them? Eh? And they held on. How many of you have given biscuits to children before and you say, give me one? And then they draw back. And they don't know that you have the ability to disown them. Stinginess is limited knowledge. It's limited knowledge. Lack of giving is limited knowledge. Praise the name of the Lord. Look at First, first Chronicles 29 verse 13. Look at this. 
Let's read from verse 10. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Look at it, look at it. Indeed, everything that is in heaven and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Look at verse 12. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. It lies in your hands. Can we realize that life actually lies in the hands of God? Why do we struggle to serve God? Why do we struggle to love God? Why do we struggle to be committed to the things of God? Look at verse, look at the next verse. Verse 13. Now therefore, O God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Look at verse 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you. It says, and from your hand we have given you. How many of you think David had a proper stewardship mindset? It says, all things come from you. Even what we have given you is from your hand. Huh? It says, what we have given you is from your hand. Look at verse 15. For we are sojourners before you and tenants and tenants and tenants. How David refers to himself. As all our fathers were, our days on the earth are like a shadow. And there is no hope. Verse 16, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand and all is yours. What a, what a way to see what they gave to God. When the Bible says David was a man after God's heart, eh? I know all we remember about David is that he slept with Uriah. That's the biggest thing. Eh? But this man had a stewardship mindset. He says, everything we are giving, and you've got to go do the math. I didn't do the math for this study. But go do the math of how much millions David gave to the temple. And he says, whatever we gave to you, it was from your hands it came. Stewardship mindset. Hmm? After many years of Christian, Christianity, you're still struggling with 10%. Still struggling with time. Asking whether it is law, whether it's not law. Whether it's not, it's, it's just because you, you think like an owner. You're not a steward. You don't think like a steward. You think it's yours, so you can do whatever you want to do. With it. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how to think like a steward when it comes to your resources. Let me tell you something. Listen to me very carefully this morning. It does not take God anything to bless you. Nothing. Nothing. You can wake up tomorrow morning and everything about your life is financially radically changed. That's the truth. See, but I still know that for many of us, God might not be able to trust us with the level of wealth we're believing for. It will lead to forgetfulness. You know, it's where you don't have prayer points. You come sleeping when you should be coming to church. Hmm? You know, there are some songs that are singing, they won't make me need to. You say, my only hope is in God. So let us sing something. I need something from, from his song. Something, something cool. But there are some people that that song, 
When you say, the only hope is in God, that song is the only hope. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. So let's look at two things, because I want to finish this. Look at David. David said, whatever I have given to you, it's from your hand. What about if you see that? You will see giving as a privilege. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Oh, it's a privilege to give because in the first place, everything I have is given to you. That's why one of the messages I want to teach very soon is how God judges things. How does God see things? Stewardship. So then you must also know the principle of responsibility. Principles of responsibility. In the beginning, God created Adam, gave him a garden, Genesis 2.15, and he says, tend the garden. Whatever God has given to you, he gives you responsibility over. Genesis 2.15, tend the garden. Tend the garden. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. Who owned the garden? I didn't hear you, church. Who owned the garden? Who did God give the garden to tend? Adam, stewardship. Do you know why God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden? Because Adam was irresponsible. He didn't, he didn't take care of the garden. He didn't take care of his wife, took care of the garden. Because it was his to keep. It was his to tend. So there is response. Let's say the life of Jesus. Jesus walked in stewardship even on the earth. John 5.19 John 5.19 John chapter 5 and verse 19. Is somebody getting blessed this morning? Say amen if you are. Okay, John 5, 19. Look at what Jesus said. Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. How many of you think if you were Jesus, you would ever make this statement? Oh, come on, somebody. Hey, how many of you think if you were Jesus, would you ever make the statement that I can do nothing of myself? No, you wouldn't. Jesus, with all the power, God in the flesh. Look at what it says. Unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in a like manner. Jesus taught stewardship on the earth. John 5.30 I can do nothing on my own initiative. Hey, Jesus. I can do nothing on my own initiative. How many of you have so many initiatives? You know when the scripture says in the book of Proverbs, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, commit your paths unto him. It's a verse of stewardship. You know, there are people who just map out their life without God's intervention. You know what we do? We design our life, then we ask God to come and bless it. Even when God is trying to interfere, we say, no, 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 no. No. I know what I'm doing. I've studied the economic indices. And that's why you see, every time investment fails, Eh? It always shows people that they don't know so much. You know, I was trying to pack some of my tra- travel documents and I saw COVID, uh, COVID uh, card. I, I wanted to, to cost the card. You know how many... What's that thing called? How many... It's not syringe. What's that thing? I don't know who developed that thing. Do you know how many things this nose took? Eh, swab, eh, be swab, swab. Mm-hmm. You know how many? Bend your head, bend your head. Ah! Because I was traveling that period, and it looked like it would never end. Hmm? Say space, space, social distance. Look at you people now. 
All of you were wearing masks, hand gloves, sanitizer everywhere. Where I look at you now. Did you die? <laughs> That's how Ebola came, and people were wearing wearing a, a, a tarpaulin to go and bathe hair. I'm not saying we should not be protective, but it just tells us that human knowledge is limited. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That thing you think is going to kill you will not kill you. Because you're not the owner of your life. God's going to see you through it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This, I can do nothing on my own initiative. This was Jesus speaking. As I hear a judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. A steward prioritizes the will of God. A steward will prioritize what? The will of God. Come on, somebody. Are you here? The first question, listen, the first question you want to ask yourself any time in your life is what is the will of God in this? What will please God in this? Okay. John 4.34. Look at stewardship. John 4.34. Jesus. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That means God was the owner of the work. To accomplish his work. God was the owner of the work. I'm so excited by the revelation of stewardship. You know, I have many scriptures to show you where that is concerned. Observe how Jesus placed priority in the Father's will and pleasing the Father. The aim of stewardship is pleasing God and being faithful to God. Acts 13, 36, one of my most favorite verses. The Bible says, And after David had served the will of God for his generation, he slept with his fathers. After David had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. Served the purpose of God in his generation. Child of God, you are here on a purpose. Think purpose. You know, yesterday I was chatting with um, a missionary, uh, an older, he, was, he was an older student who were in school. I think when I was in 100 level, he was about leaving to go into the missions field. His parents persecuted him. I, I remember. His, his, his father almost disowned him. He was going into real missions to so the unrich places. And so yesterday, because of what we're planning to do in the French-speaking region, I was talking with him because he is now moving to the French area, Cotonou and all that, to go up north because of the encroachment of Islam. And then he said something at the end of our talk. He said, he said, the truth of the matter is that I'm not growing younger anymore. And we need people like you to step into this. He was referring to my generation, not, not me particularly. You're right. And it just dawned on me. Here was a young man a few years ago. He's already talking of old age. It just dawned on me. See, the truth of the matter is that even, like Pastor Mary will always say, even if you lived up to a hundred, it will not be enough time to do God's work. I know you like throwing birthday parties. I know some of you start loading your birthday three months ahead of the time. You're already loading. Ninety days to go. Loading. It is Be loading. Be loading. You will realize that soon we are celebrating your 50th birthday. You would ask yourself, where did life go? Praise the name of the Lord. You know, some of the kids I prayed over and dedicated, they have now gone to secondary school. The way old age catches up with us, it's, it's like we're not getting old. You just realize that 
the book you could read, you are not reading again before you realize that you're getting old. Are you hearing what I'm, what I'm saying? See, so be conscious of a work that God has given to you. I was telling my workers, don't ever think there is a better time to do God's work. Don't think so. Don't give God your, permit me to use the word, your spent years. Hmm? God is calling you into ministry, for instance, and you don't want to answer the call. Then by the time you answer the call, you now come to pulpit. It's when you are not seeing Bible again. Say, read for me. John 4, John 4. Therefore, therefore, when the Lord, when the Lord knew that, what, what, what will God do with you at that time? They can't bring you up to this pulpit now. You have to put pulpit down for what? How far can you go? Why do we postpone serving God? What better time will you give to God than today? You know, for a, a couple of times, uh, last two years or three years ago, you said when you got more money, you would give to God. You didn't know that things would get higher. Now, all you use... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was telling Pastor Mary this morning as we were getting ready for service. I said, the thing with people is they will always think that in those days was better. I said, but I remember my mother was complaining that things were expensive. How many of you remember your parents complaining that things were expensive? Raise your hand. Let me see. If it was only my parents that were complaining. Okay, imagine your parents complained that things were expensive. Imagine today. You would tell them, if I hear that word again. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me tell you. When our children get to our age, they will wonder why you did not build a house. Are you hearing? So what I'm trying to tell you is that this is life. Get used to it. So there will be no better time to give. There will be no better time to do God's work. There will be no better time to do the things that God has called you to do. Today is the day of salvation. And when you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Young people, serve God with your life now. When the children come, you might not be able to serve God that much. Because when you wake up, you are thinking of breakfast. As you, as you are eating breakfast, you are thinking of lunch. As they finish lunch, you are thinking of, of dinner. As they finish dinner, you are thinking of breakfast. And meanwhile, you are doing dinner. Oga is waiting for you in the other room. By the time you are done, you are exhausted. And before you realize, 15 years of your life is going in that circle. And the next thing you will see, thank God for a life well spent. Our auntie, niece, mother, stepmother, grandmother, I've gone home. And then the Lord asked, what is the life well spent? God is trying to say, explain to me. Say, we cook a goosey. <laughs> she stand before Jesus and say, did you ever eat okra? Oh, Jesus. You missed. We spent 15 years cooking okra. You know, Pomo? <laughs> you are introducing... And that's the life well spent. It's nothing. It's just the life well spent. Why am I saying this? Because the first thing we need to think is stewardship in terms of time. 
Time is given to us by God to fulfill purpose. Time is given to us to maximize destiny. We are judged by our use of time. Can I tell you something? The sum total of your life is the use of your time. If you say somebody lived for 30 years, what are we judging about the person's life? Come on, somebody. What he did with his life in what? 30 years. Hmm? Why, why do you think your company is paying you? What are they really paying you for? Your company is paying you for two things. Two things you must understand that your company is paying you for. Number one, your brain and your time. Am I right? So your brain, God gave it to you. Time, God gave it to you. Those are the things your company is paying you for. That's why you realize that if your brain is no longer functioning, they will let you go. And that's why they also put a certain age. Say, when you are at so-so age, we will let you go. They are not telling you that your brain is not like that again. And that's why when they are recruiting, they say graduate trainees, they will bring down the years because they want fresh brain. Hmm? That's why you see developed countries will say, oh, we want digital talent visa. Eh? We want doctors. We want nurses. What are they asking nurses for? Why are they not looking for carpenters? Because they want to solve a problem. And it's time. So you must, you must, you, your time, you must, you must begin to say time differently. Luke chapter 4, verse 42 to 44. I really want to finish this. Stay with me. Luke chapter 4. Stewardship of time. Luke chapter 4. Praise God. Are you still here? 42. Look, let's remember verse 40. While the song was setting, all those who had anyone who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Demons were also coming out of many, shouting, you are the son of God. But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. Do you think if we're conducting a healing service today and demons were shouting, Pastor Mark, you are the son of God, do you think I'll rebuke them? Today, we, we, even if the demons are not shouting, we want them to shout. We are the ones that tell them to talk. Say, do I know you before? Do I carry fire? I say, yes, you carry fire. I say, tell them. Say, fire. Say, the devil is even saying, I carry fire. Anti-scripture. Anti-scriptures. Pride of life. Hmm? Today we interview demons. And some of you spend your time watching interview demons. If you had been watching CNN, you would have had a job by now. You would have known what is going on in the world. They now ask you interview. And I've said, when we pray for you, make sure you are employable. So that we are not wasting time. They now tell you to go and do interview. You don't know anything. All you know is die by fire, die by fire. Who will employ you? There's nothing else you know as a believer. It is anyone after my life. Anyone after my What is in that your life that they are after? What does the life contain if we pull it apart? Don't you think the devil we think is wasted asking us to, to assign demons to you when they have other people to pursue? Le- they have left you alone. You can't make progress. Why would demons now be following you when there are shortage of demons? <laughs> you won't listen to news. You don't know what's going on in the world. You are 24 hours focused on a channel where the man of God is interviewing demons. You know all the names of the spirits that are in the world. Near success syndrome, spirit, somersaulting failure syndrome, spirit, 
you don't know all the states in the country, you don't know their governors, you don't know, you don't even know if River Niger is in Nigeria or in Equatorial Guinea. So they, they put you in an interview. It's only demonic names you know. And they are not employing you to, be, to, 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 to supervise demons. Well, let's go ahead. Demons also were coming out of many shouting, you are the son of God, but rebuking them, he will not allow them to speak. Go to the next verse. When the day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place. And the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. How many of you know this would be a good place for a man of God to settle? They want him. Look at what Jesus did. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom to the other cities also. For I was sent for this purpose. This is stewardship mindset. You know what stewardship mindset means? Very important. You don't take all the opportunities that come to your life. Even if they are good opportunities. You are working based on what the owner has told you to do. What are the things we learn from there? Number one, the crowd. There is the crowd. There is the purpose of Jesus and what that purpose requires. How you use your time reveals stewardship mindset. There is a way the crowd wants you to go. There is a way the world wants you to go. There is a way society wants you to go. What is stewardship mindset? What's, what's stewardship mindset for you? Jesus did not give in to the crowd because he taught what? As a steward. You know, I was saying here, I'm not going to mention the names, but I was saying here of a minister, dear minister of the gospel, we know quite, doing quite well, doing a great work for the Lord. See, because of the kingdom, they didn't want to have time for the kingdom. They decided they would get married and not have children. Yeah. And they, they don't have any kids. It was their choice. You know when the scripture says, so made themselves you know, for the kingdom's sake. They're the first couple I saw like that. Nothing was wrong with them. They just wanted to have all their time to just serve God. That's true what it might say. That's somebody thinking of an assignment. Not just responding to what society needs. Some people have more kids than they should. Because they are not thinking stewardship. They are thinking society. My father had one. So you are the one to complete the proposed, intended, dreamt of children. Now you have 16. Some of you have children for your mother. Hmm? And my mother said, my mother said he liked to carry a girl. Since she was a child, she has always been wanting somebody to plait hair. But she has not. So you, so, so, so you brought a human being to this earth because another human being just wants to plait hair. <laughs> it, 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 it looks like you are a very considerate child. If you ask people the reasons why they have children, you'll be shocked. Some, you are in this world because they don't want other people to laugh at them. That is why you are here. And that's why some of you ask yourself that, why did you people give birth to me? They themselves don't even know. And this is serious. I'm, I'm not joking. We, we see, our whole lives have to be stewardship. It's not about, I like children. It's not what you like. And I'll show you. And we will get there. 
that listen to me. Stewardship means that you are taking care of your family. Let me get there. The, the scripture says, if a man cannot provide for his house, he is worse than an infidel. So, before you are falling in love, read that scripture. Before you start blaming church, that church does not have love. That's why I say you should sing that song. <laughs> you can't blame the church for your lack of stewardship. You can't blame your uncle for your lack of stewardship. You can't blame the government for your lack of stewardship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Believers need to know that we are stewards and we should be examples of provisions for our home. You don't have a business spending money on clothes when there's no food in your house. It's irresponsibility. I just want to look nice. Forget looking nice. If you have a wife and you have children, your days of looking nice are over. You look after that woman, you look after that child. What about self-care? Forget it! You didn't get married to be selfish. If you didn't want to look after your family, you should have been alone. And ladies, you need to start asking questions beyond love. And we just have things falling apart because everybody's selfish. Nobody's thinking God. Nobody's thinking responsibility. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you still here? Stewardship mindset means you prioritize your purpose over pleasure. You prioritize purpose over the needs of the crowd. You can't be married and be thinking like a single. Hmm? Your shoes cost a bag of rice. There are certain things that should not mean anything to you anymore because your status has changed. Are you sharing what I'm saying? We need to have this conversation because we're having believers, Christian men, not living up to their responsibility because they don't understand stewardship. Let's go on. Stewardship over time. Whatever you do with time reveals your priorities. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you of the spirit reap corruption. Sin requires time. How many of you know what I'm saying? If you want to steal now, will it not require time? It, it requires, oh, stealing requires a level of diligence and time and discipline. You have to get up when people are sleeping. You have to cut the gate silently. I mean, it's, it's not, even if you say you want to go and steal now, it's not very easy anymore. <laughs> it's a lot of wisdom to steal. That's why Paul told them, he that's was stealing. Let him steal no more. Let him walk with his hands. Because there were guys who got born again who were doing that. So he said, boss, don't do it again. There's another way <laughs> to end prosperity. Talent, and sorry, your time and then your treasure. Let's look at your treasure. Stewardship with your finances is ensuring that your physical and spiritual obligations are met. And I really want to anchor on this very quickly before we close. Go to Matthew 17. Your treasure, your treasure, your treasure. Matthew 17. Matthew 17. 24. 
when they came to Campanion, those who collected the two drachma tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the two drachma tax? He said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth collect customs or pull tax? From their sons or from strangers? When Peter answered from strangers, Jesus said, then the sons are exempt. However, look at Jesus, however, so that we do not offend them, go to the sea, throw in a hook, and take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for you and me. Jesus paid his tax. He said, so that we will not offend them. He paid his tax. Even though he could have been exempted. Matthew 25, quickly. Matthew 25, verse 15 to 22. We're talking about stewardship. Matthew 25. Are you there? Are you there in Matthew 25? Say amen if you are there. Alright, sorry. Matthew 22. Go to 22. 22. Verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might trap him in what he said, and they sent their disciples to him along with Herod and saying, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any. That's what every minister of the gospel should be, not partial to any. Say the truth the way it is in the word of God. Don't defer to anybody. Don't defer to the rich. Don't defer to the poor. Don't defer to powers that be. Don't defer. Don't preach something so that you'll be accepted. Say the truth. The way it is in the Bible. And let the consequences of obeying the truth. Or teaching the truth be left for God. Well, let's go ahead. Then what does he say? Is it tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their malice and said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? Or whose image is this? And he said to him, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is to Caesar and God to the things of God. In this passage of scripture, Jesus established stewardship. What is balanced stewardship? You give to Caesar what is to Caesar. You give to God what is to God. That's how a steward thinks. Let me read another scripture to you. Romans chapter 1. Wish I had a lot of time to deal with this, but see how it goes. Romans 13. Romans 13. Romans 13. And verse 1. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those who exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not the cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise for them, for it is a minister of God to you. He's calling those in authority ministers of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is the minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for your conscience sake. Six, for because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers as servants of God deserve devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom is due. Fear to whom fear is due. Honor to whom honor is due. Or nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled his law. What is stewardship mindset? Number one, whatever money you have, there is what belongs to God. You give it to God. Two, there is what belongs to Caesar. You give it to Caesar. Listen to me. Stewardship mindset simply means that you are not prioritizing buying a television set over paying your landlord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say amen. amen. 
the first thing you do every year is remove your rent. Whether you wear new shirts. This, do you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't owe your landlord as a Christian. You do not. If people work for you, you pay them. You don't owe your children school fees. If you don't have to buy shirt again for the rest of your life, don't buy. But you see, own your landlord. We we should not even talk of tax because I know a whole lot of people don't even bother about tax. They will say, what are they using it to do? Did God ask you to ask them what they are using it to do? I don't want anyone in this church owing rent. Don't be owing school fees. Your children should not be driven from school. It is stewardship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All the wig and the scarf you are buying, you have not paid. Return them. (laughs) Go back and say, I had a message today and I have changed. As will be that you are planning to do next week that you don't have the money. Tell your friend, my pastor said, I should wear what I have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That text you have typed to take loan, delete it. If your house rent is too high, next year, move down to one room. That is increase for you. It will increase your peace of mind and reduce your high blood pressure. That is true worship. What should not be prayer point must not be prayer point. God touched the heart of my landlord. We don't have a scriptural basis for it. From your salary, you save your rent every month. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You eat what you have. You wear what you have. If anybody is so consigned that you are wearing the same shirt, let them buy another one for you. If you cannot maintain doing your hair, cut the hair. There is a man that will love your bololo. Cut it! You can't owe all the saloons in town and you cannot now go for evangelism. You can't wear a wig that is your one month salary. It is irresponsibility. Delete your Instagram account. You don't exist for now until you sort your life. Are you sharing what I'm saying? Let's read Bible. Matthew, Matthew 15. I'm telling you now. If you are owing anybody, your priority this year is to go debt free. Don't buy things you cannot afford. Learn to live without things. It's true worship. Everybody is contributing something to repair something in your compound. You are the only one they will be dragging. 
is a shame. You would dress and spray perfume. You are owing one five. Go and sell that perfume and pay your bills. Scripture says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. There are some of you people have worked for you and you are owing them. Go and pay them. Don't say I will use the tithes to pay. Don't use our tithes to pay them. Bring our tithes and then pay them. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I will show you. Don't mix these two things. What belongs to God must be given to God. What belongs to... Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because there's this extreme of, eh, what about if I want to not use my time? No, no. It is bad and irresponsible stewardship. When you have money, you ask yourself, which one is God's? Which one is Caesar's? I'll show you from scripture, quickly. Matthew 15, 5. Look at what it says. Hmm? Verse 4 says, But God said, Honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this you invalidate the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You know what the Pharisees were teaching people because they wanted more money. They said, Anything you are supposed to give to your father and your mother, just tell your father and mother that it's Koban. That's what the Greek word is. The Greek word there means it has been given to God. And God says, Don't do that. Do you realize God is saying that what is to go to your father? Don't give it to me. So you cannot sow seed and your mother is hungry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Then you cannot feed your mother and not give to the church. Both are wrong. So what do I do? You hold the money and say, this is mother's portion. This is church's portion. Which means, stewardship means that when I have my money, I am sitting with my treasure and I am allocating as a steward. You are not taking the prerogative to say, I'm not giving to God this month because I have a mother. No, you've crossed the line. You're thinking like an owner. Neither are you saying, I've given everything to God so my mother can go hungry. No, again, you're crossing the line. How many of you think we've crossed the line a lot of times? Yeah. Hmm? Honoring your mother doesn't have to be building a house. It can just be an airtime. But you do that. You pay your bills. You look after your wife. Listen. There are things your wife should not be asking you for. You can't have a wife in the house. Permit me, I'm going to stay five minutes longer. You can't have a wife in the house. You don't know how she's wearing her undies. You don't know where she's buying her bra. Her phone screen is bad. You have no clue. You call your wife. She can't see your name. She's doing voice recognition. <laughs> and you are outside buying phones for people. Because we are good to people outside and bad to our own very family. If you want us to be hailing you, the whole children can gather and to be hailing you since that's what your friends do for you. It's irresponsibility. And I want every man in this house, you take this as a word from God. 
You don't allow your family to suffer. Because you want to please strangers. You look after your wife. You look after your children. You are not God. You can't solve everyone's problem. There are things you should just say, when my wife is concerned, I will sort this. And if you cannot now, for, for some reasons, get in faith. Get in faith. And you do your responsibilities. Pay your taxes. Those who work for you, pay them. Let me say this very quickly. Hmm? Ask yourself these questions. Are your spiritual giving obligations met? Are your natural obligations met? First Timothy 5.8 Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You sent your uncle money and your children's school fees are not paid. What wisdom is that? Your children are driven from school and somebody is eating coca fish on your, on your children's school fees money. Blood. Uh, is when there is trouble, you will know blood. What are you saying? You take parables and make the word of God of no effect. Look at your wife's ninth gun. There are holes there. If we look, we will think that's how it was designed. No. Years of wearing one night gun has turned the thing to a lingerie when, when, when it was designed to be a blouse. No care. You can't ask your wife when last she made her hair. It's no concern to you. Where did you learn this from? Why is... It's... it's it... Let's read. James chapter 5 verse 4. Just give me a few more minutes. James 5 4. And for young people, before you get married, think of all these stewardship things. Hmm? Think of all these stewardship things. James 5 4. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields and which has been withheld by you cries out against you. And the outcome of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. He said, Those you are owing, they are also crying to God. Somebody worked for you since last year, you have not paid. You say, Altar of your father's house are pursuing you. These are the people pursuing you. James 5 4. Laborers you are owing is bad stewardship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even if it was your friends who worked for you, you pay them. Develop a reputation for paying your workers. This enjoying life, why the boys that work for you are suffering, is not kingdom stewardship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's how Christian thinks. You think stewardship. Last scripture. This is what Jesus said when, when you are owing somebody. He didn't say pray. He said go and beg them. Matthew 5. Look at what Jesus said about debt. Some of you need to delete those loan apps. Hmm? You have spread your picture and your name everywhere for 10,000. What did you use the 10,000 to do? To take your friends out. Out to where? If you want to take your friends out, will you not go outside? He said, I don't know, but I've never been under this pressure. I, I, do, I don't do pressure. Even in ministry, there's no pressure. 
take you out. Then when we now go out, I will not buy a drink that I have not even tasted in my life. Even if I buy it for you, it's two of us that will drink it. Because what will it profit my life if you drink something that I have not tasted? And I'm not sharing testimony. Matthew 5. That's scripture. Somebody getting blessed here? Verse 25. He said, make friends quickly with your opponent at law. <laughs> While you are with him on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. Jesus did not say when they are taking you to court, pray. He said, beg them. Look at what he said. He said, he says, truly I say to you, you will not come out of death. Until you have paid up to the last cent. Is it you? Jesus is telling you that that prison, you will go there, you will not come out until you pay the last cent. Look at how Jesus said we should treat that. Some of you need to go and beg your landlord. Because you owe house rent. Then when the man is now start creating trouble so that they will give you quick notice. That's why nobody is giving you house anymore. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen, I, I wish I had the time to build on this. But I want everybody in this church to be a steward. Do what you can afford. Wear what you can afford. Everything I see on you as your pastor, I should be confident that you have paid for it. Anyone you have not paid for, don't use it again. Go home and put paid. Then create another space in your wardrobe and put unpaid. Then in front of the unpaid, write James chapter 5. The wages of those I'm owing are crying out to me. When you pay, you move it here. I'll tell you the truth. When we got married, it was something myself and my wife agreed on. We will never get into debt. There were days there was no food in the house when we were starting out. But we stayed with our word. Everything in this ministry is debt free. We do not start a project until we have the funds in the account. When we're building this church, there's nobody that has worked for us in this church that was owed more than a day, more than two days because we needed to process the account. No one person. There's nobody who worked for us and we complain that he was underpaid. Nobody. Even members of the church who worked for us are paid. There were some who came here because they wanted work. And there are some who are here genuinely and they work and they pay. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm praying for you today that you'll be a steward of your time. So you go back and evaluate your life. What are your priorities? Don't be a philanthropist outside when internally you're not a steward. You're not tithing to the church. You're not tied into the local church. You're not giving to your pastor. You're not giving to those who feed you the word of God. But you are, you are a celebrity giveaway every week. When last did you bless your parents? When last did you bless your wife? When last did you bless those you really have responsibility over? You need to think like a steward. How many of you think we need to make some adjustments where this is concerned? Alright, so you go back and listen to this message over and over again. Feed on it and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we repent in the areas where we haven't lived faithfully as stewards. Lord, we look into your word. We look into the perfect law of liberty. 
And Lord, I'm just praying for everyone in this house and everyone who would listen to this word. That Holy Spirit of God, you will give us the wisdom to be faithful stewards. And I pray for everyone that is in debt, that needs some form of financial breakthrough. That there be finances released over you. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I call for jobs in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are you blessed this morning? You learned something this morning? Amen. Praise God. Alright. So, we're going to receive our offerings. We're going to receive our offerings right now. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.